sex talk. Derek and Miley. Cause sexuality is tough. And okay, sexist isn't good enough. No. Sex talk with Derek and Miley. Hey folks, welcome to Sex Talk with Erica Miley. Erica Miley here. I have a wonderful guest with me, Dr. Sarah Shavitz. And I'm going to make sure I read this because you just have such wonderful specialties. I'm just so excited you're here. She is a psychologist who specializes in online couples and individual therapy in the area of love and relationships. She's my like twin, but in love and relationship therapy, I'm so happy you're here. Yay, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. We met on Instagram. And I just love that we've met on Instagram and we get to, see, you, you listeners don't get to see that we get to see each other. Instagram starts relationships. Yeah, it really does. <laughs> Half my friends are from Instagram these days, which is kind of interesting. <laughs> I, I know we both more than likely get the relationship attempt start DMs, you know? Oh yeah. The, with the, the crappy rose, DMs. The rose emoji is. Oh, yeah. oh come on. Hello dear rose. <laughs> yes. Decline. <laughs> yeah. Decline all. Stop yeah. it. All of you right now listening, stop it. <laughs> we are therapists. We don't, we are psychotherapists. And usually the, my first response to these people <laughs> is, is, oh, are you looking for sex therapy? And they're like, no. Oh, you're nice. So you at least respond. <laughs> Only when I get, feel like being a jerk because <laughs> that's enough. <laughs> anyway, so let's get started. Tell me a little bit about your practice. I just, I just love that you're entirely online like myself. Yeah, I know. It provides such freedom for our clients as well as for us. And I really love that. So my practice is compromised of probably about 80% couples, 20% individuals. Pretty much everyone I work with is having some sort of undesirable results in the area of love and relationships, and they want to shift their unhealthy patterns whether it be who they're attracted to or how they're showing up in a relationship or how their partner is showing up in a relationship, something about it isn't quite the way they want it to be. And I'm really excited to help those people. So most people are in California. My practice is based here in California. And even though I'm online, the vast majority of my people are right here in LA. Mm. Yes, I think that's the amazing thing about online therapy is as much as we can reach such a broad base, it happens it happens for me too. I I see folks in, in Florida and Washington and a lot of the people that I see though were local to where I was based at the time. So yeah. I see a lot of people from Eastern Washington, Western Washington, and then here in Southwest Florida. Yeah. So it's an interesting trend, it seems. It's like, okay, well, all right, we'll take who we, we want to help everybody. Yeah. I don't know about where you live, but in LA, the traffic is atrocious. And so online therapy is highly desirable, even if you live a few blocks away from the office. <laughs> I feel like you and I are going to make a, we need to make a commercial about online therapy and how awesome it is. Because like, I mean, I love that my clients can sit in their most comfortable place and have their pet in their lap. And just, or like one of my favorite things is like, I can offer my West Coast folks a early morning session, yep. which is really cool. And then they're making their coffee coffee, they're getting ready, and we're having a chat. We're having therapy right there. It's so awesome. It is. It's so convenient. I don't know about you if you find this, but I think people are much more comfortable in their own homes. Yes. Yeah. And they're really much more vulnerable and open. Yep. As a sex therapist, like we get really into this stuff yeah. very, very quickly and we get work done quick. Do you see that as well? Yep. 
Same thing. Yeah. Here you go, folks. The commercial for online <laughs> therapy has begun. <laughs> <laughs> to be continued in another episode. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So I really wanted you to talk about, because something that really, when I've looked at a lot of the, the content that Dr. Shavitz puts out, like it, it's a lot about romance. And I want you to talk a little bit about how does maybe love or romance start, or maybe how does it not start? And I know you have some ideas around like the th- parts of love and how we think about that. So get on it, girl. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, romance and attraction are an interesting beast, I will say. And I would say no thanks to Hollywood. We have this kind of cliche version of what a relationship should look like. And the thing is, most of the time we only see the romantic love stage of a relationship when we're watching a movie. And there's actually two more stages that happen after that, which can be really disillusioning for some who kind of expect the Hollywood type relationship to last forever. Sex is the same. We have the same experience when it comes to they show us. (laughs) I know. I just had that conversation with one of the couples I'm working with. I'm like, you know, you're just not always going to both be in the mood at the same time. It's It's so true. So impossible. So, (laughs) and that's not necessary for sex. You can figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. So with attraction and romance, it comes so easy in the romantic love stage. And the reason for that, I think it's helpful to talk about the chemical changes that are happening in our brain when we're in romantic love. Mm, Love drugs. Oh, it's such a nice cocktail. (laughs) If they could bottle that, oh my gosh. (laughs) Sell it to me today. (laughs) Seriously, I would take it in a heartbeat. So, I mean, the first thing that happens is we get a dopamine rush every time we see our love object or even think of them or talk to them or text with them. Uh, And dopamine is the neurotransmitter in our brain that's responsible for feeling really good and really happy and really uninhibited. So when we're drunk, we get floods of dopamine. When we're on certain drugs, floods of dopamine. And if you've ever been drunk, you know you're not quite as guarded. You're much more open. Your inhibitions are lowered. And that's the case in romantic love as well. Mm -hmm. And then to add to this cocktail, there's a couple other neurotransmitters at play. One is serotonin. And that actually drops when we're in romantic love, which low levels of serotonin are linked to obsessions, Mm. which is why we are obsessed with our love (laughs) object when we're in romantic love. Like, Ooh, did he text? Did she text? Is she going to call? What's going on? Are we going to hang out tonight? You know, you just can't stop thinking about them. And you're looking at your phone 115 times. Oh yeah. Yeah. And the third thing that happens is if you're sexually active before marriage, which most people are these days, then there's every time you orgasm, if you are sexual with your partner, you are releasing oxytocin, which is a bonding Mm -hmm. hormone. Yep. Yeah. So this (laughs) cocktail is what's responsible for romance, really. And it's also responsible for us often kind of putting on blinders and rose-colored glasses and missing a lot of red flags. Mm -hmm. So I always kind of tell people don't make any life-altering decisions about being with this person when you're in the romantic love stage. (laughs) When I talk to my clients, especially the ones that are dating or they're trying to understand their sexual self in in this stage, right? I say, you know, hey, it, it could take as long as 18 months for your body to actually like 
adjust to the love drugs. Yes. So it takes some time. Yeah. And so, which also means it could take up to 18 months. I've even heard romantic love can last as long as two years. I've never seen that personally, but that's awesome. If you get to be on that right? path for two years, <laughs> I'm jealous. I know, right? But, you know, that's two years or potentially less of not really seeing all the things about your partner because you're wearing yes. those rose-colored glasses, mm-hmm. which brings me to stage two, which is the power struggle. And so many couples break up in the power struggle in part because maybe they weren't good matches to begin with and the romantic love drug cocktail just helped them not see that. But I think in large part, a lot of people break up in the power struggle because they don't know that that's a normal part of the relationship. And they feel like if we're having so many problems and we keep fighting and I just, I want to change my partner. I don't really like who he or she is. This must not be the right relationship for me. And again, that's, you know, Hollywood has taught us all of that. Well, and the expectation, I, I, I know, I know, and we're going to get to some of like that. We're going to get to cheating and betrayal here in a little bit, but the expectation of that relationship is the fulfillment of all of the things. Yeah. That is also one of those parts of this that I think you're already alluding to that I think is so important to acknowledge that we can't expect our partner to be our best friend, our lover, our complete emotional support, and all of these other roles that we have actually in modern relationship had the expectation of our partner. That's right. Yeah. that That's partly, I think, why breakup levels are at the level that they are these days. Yeah. I think you're so right. So if you make it through the power struggle, which you do with a lot of great communication and a lot of love and acceptance and kind of looking at how you're showing up and looking at how your partner's showing up and maybe making some changes, but mostly just accepting who you are and who they are, Mm -hmm. then you get to mature love or true love. And this is kind of cyclical. So sometimes when you get into mature love, then everything feels so good again and you've accepted each other and then you kind of fall back into romantic love. Much more short-lived, unfortunately, than the original romantic love phase. I know. (laughs) But that can continue on and on and on. So, you know, you may get through one really big power struggle in your marriage or relationship and then a year later, you're going through the whole cycle again and maybe wondering again, is this the right partner for me? And so I really encourage people to dig in and learn some new skills before, if you really love the person, if you really feel like this is a good match for me, it's just, we're having all these conflicts, learn how to manage it rather than just dumping them for somebody else who you're going to get into a power struggle with anyway, eventually. Yes. You pointing out that this is a cycle I think is incredibly important. Yeah. Because it is so, I I know you've watched with your clients, I've watched with mine, that every bit of suffering we have in life, it, there there is a cycle to it. Mm-hmm. The way I kind of talk about it with my clients is it's like it's like in a video game, you prepare your armor and you you beat level one boss. And then you got to level two. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, you got to build a lot up harder. <laughs> yeah. You got to pick new armor, you know, find that, that, that better weapon. Like it's, it's not as easy for it, everything in our lives has a cycle to it, especially some of our issues. That's a really great analogy. I like that. 
I'm nerd. I can't even help myself. I love video <laughs> games, superheroes. I know every couple's different, but when you watch people go through a power struggle, like, does it seem to have a time period? No, because it really depends on do they get the skills to manage it? Mm, yes. Um, or maybe they already have the skills, in which case it's probably a shorter power struggle. But yeah, there's people ask me that a lot, especially when they're in it. <laughs> they're like, oh, yeah, how long I- are we going to be in this? <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to do this anymore. As long as it takes, really. It's yeah. It, it really depends on your level of skill as a couple, kind of in communicating and accepting and changing and doing all the things that you need to do to have a happy, healthy relationship. Absolutely. Let's dive into the thing that I think we probably more than likely you and I probably get asked about this probably more than anything is betrayal, infidelity, when there's been a rift. So when you think about a betrayal, when you think about cheating, how does it impact like a couple's, not only just their romantic life, but their sex life? And can they, can they come back? Oh gosh, it really rocks their worlds. I think if the person who was doing the cheating knew what it was going to do to their relationship and their partner, if they were, if it was revealed, I don't, I think most people wouldn't do it. They just don't realize how really truly harmful it can be. I mean the person usually who's been betrayed has a lot of symptoms of post traumatic stress disorder. They have nightmares, they have flashbacks, they constantly obsess, they have crazy mood swings, they can't control their emotions. It's really gnarly for them. And particularly there's a book called Out of the Doghouse Rob Strauss maybe wrote it. And he talks about this in the book where men, it's specifically for men caught cheating on women. And he really talks about how if most men knew what it was going to do to the woman, they'd never do it. And it's not until after they see the detrimental effects that they go, wow, I had no idea that was going to happen. Yeah, I think um, one of my favorite things that Esther Perel talks about is uh, she, when she says, uh, if you put as much effort into your relationship as much as you did hiding the affair, mm-hmm. you wouldn't have had an affair. Yeah. Which I think is a really, really interesting way to put it. I agree. That is interesting. You know what happens, too, when a, there is an affair? You get right back into that romantic love cocktail. Mm-hmm. And it's so addictive. Yes. And the mystery and the excitement and the newness of it. No mature love relationship can compare to that excitement, but there's very little stability. So, you know, it's like, what do you want? The excitement or the stability and the long-term lasting effects? Quick break from the action, folks. (laughs) Action. (laughs) I just want to tell you about my Patreon. Every week... I bring you guests and seriously, lots of sex nerdery. (laughs) Help me keep doing that by becoming a supporter. What do you get in return? Cool perks. For real. I am going to be doing shout outs, stickers, a bunch of stuff. So check it out at ericamiley.com forward slash Patreon. That's E-R-I-K-A-M-I-L-E-Y dot com forward slash Patreon. I hope to see you and see more of you by becoming a Patreon. Thanks, guys.
I'm sure you've probably seen this too. I, I've seen it kick off a couple's increase in their sex life. Yeah. So it, an affair is like this this catalyst to the better sex than they've ever had before. Yes. And so do you see that even if the betrayed partner isn't aware of the affair yet? Yes. Yeah. The partner who is cheating is kind of on that romantic love cocktail. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's like the love drugs are, are in charge of everybody, even without anybody's knowledge. Yeah. <laughs> I also see it, and I'm sure you see this too, after the affair is revealed, suddenly the partner who's been betrayed is desiring the partner who stepped out on the relationship. They all of a sudden want to have so much sex. And they're like, what is wrong with me? This man or woman just betrayed me and I want to jump their bones. Yeah, it's absolutely. Yeah. Yes. So and anyone listening, I just want you to know that's normal. Yes. And you're not crazy. <laughs> it's just what happens. It, it is. And it's incredibly common. And it is, it seems to be part of, I think, the, those that romantic cocktail. Mm-hmm. And I think it's also part of the power dynamics and how they change. Yeah. And I know Esther Perel also talks about just that mystery and that kind of distance between two people fuels romance. And I think there's such a rift when there is infidelity. It creates kind of a little bit of passion sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so out there, we're telling you folks, there's a lot of feelings. There's a lot of things that you're going to experience if you experience this. And a lot of it is pretty typical of what we see that comes through our online office yeah. doors. <laughs> <laughs> Computer screens. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so many of us out here that work with couples and work with single people, the thing that we would love is for folks to come to us before they, you know, before shit goes sideways, but we don't always get that, that what we wish. Like if you could say something to maybe even a single person to help them, to help them better partner in their next relationship, what would, what would you say? Uh, So this is one of my favorite topics. I can talk for a good 45 minutes on this. So you'll, definitely have to, you'll definitely have to tell me when to stop. <laughs> so attraction to partners is so dictated by our unconscious mind. And it's it's so cool to bring that into consciousness for people. I do work with quite a few single people who are kind of noticing, I keep attracting these people who aren't good for me. They're not good partners. Either they're avoidant of emotions or narcissistic, you know, that's kind of a buzzword right now. I think lots of people are diagnosing their partners as narcissists (laughs) (laughs) a little bit unnecessarily, but you know, they may have some traits. Understanding the unconscious drives and how much the patterns that you saw in your parents' relationship impacts you is huge. And that's the first step to changing it. So there's something, I practice Imago therapy, I-M-A-G-O, and Imago means image in Greek or Latin, I think Latin. And we really have this image in our mind, in our unconscious mind, I should say, that's a conglomeration of positive and negative traits of our caretakers, whether that was parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, whoever, foster parents. And unconsciously, we kind of imprint on that relationship and that becomes our love template. So if you had a dad, you know, to go totally cliche, but this so many people can relate to this. If you had a dad who was always working and not really emotionally available and 
missed a lot of your events, or maybe he wasn't even there, period. He left when you were young. You are very likely to be attracted to men who just aren't that emotionally available. They might come on really strong in the beginning, hot and heavy for the first three or four months when they're in romantic love and all their inhibitions are down. But as soon as that drug cocktail wears off, they're freaked out because they're in way too deep and they're out. So if you're having a string of relationships that are three, four, maybe six months long, starting hot and heavy and then just ending really abruptly, that may be your template. And it's something really important to look at. I love it. I absolutely love what you're saying because it is so, I don't, (laughs) I know that you've probably heard this. I'm laughing even before I say it because I've heard it so many times. Mm -hmm. I have heard clients come in to my office and say, I don't want to work on any of that childhood shit. (laughs) (laughs) And I just nod and I go, oh, okay. Except for, um, it's all your childhood shit. Yeah. I speak about that stuff a lot in my marketing materials and on my website. So I think most people who come to me are are actually wanting to dig into that stuff. But I do get the occasional person who's like, everything that I had a perfect childhood. And even if you did, that's the crazy thing about our unconscious mind. Even if you had an amazing childhood, there's no way your caretakers can meet every single need of yours. And there is some childhood wounding. Even if it's the most minor thing, your little brain as a child, which is very egotistical, very self-centered, makes up a lot of stories about what you must have done wrong to make mom or dad mad at you that time. Or, you know, you think you're responsible for anything and everything as a child. It's just part of brain development in humans. And so you'll create all kinds of limiting beliefs around anything that happens in childhood. It doesn't have to be some major trauma. Absolutely. And I think that's a really, really good way to characterize it, to help people understand that one, you don't have to compare your pain to other people's. And that two, your pain is something that may have been a story that you told yourself. And our brain is funny that way. It doesn't necessarily be, it is not this grand truth teller that we think it is. Yeah, quite the contrary. (laughs) It's full of weird stories that are not even accurate. Before we're done today, I do, because I know I know you work with individuals as well. So what should we say about folks out on these dating apps? What hope should we give them? I just want to hug them all. I know. I have so much compassion because <laughs> it is so hard. And I know there's such a high level of burnout these days. Just talking to a million people, none of it really panning out, going on a bunch of dates that aren't really exciting. And it gets exhausting. So what I would say to them is pace yourself. I think sometimes we can get on a timeline, women particularly. We obviously have biological reasons for that. So I get it. And it's such a hard thing to balance. Like I need to get married and have babies by a certain age if I'm going to do that or at least have the babies part. And it can cause people to get a little frenzied (laughs) to so many people at once and going out on so many dates and then you get burned out and exhausted. So I really say pace yourself, be very picky. Mm, Yes. Can I put that on a shirt? Yeah. (laughs) You need that in your merch on your app, on your your website. Picky. Be picky. Be picky about who you go out with at the very least. Because if if you're dealing with burnout, I should say, you know, if you're on the opposite end of the spectrum and you feel like, gosh, I'm hardly getting any dates or there's no good people out there, then you're probably being a little too picky. (laughs) Because there's plenty of good people out there. 
but yeah, if you're, if you're getting overwhelmed, if you're burned out, I think that's a good place to start. And just, just know that the timing of the universe is exactly as it should be. Mm-hmm. And just Absolutely. trust that, trust the timing. Absolutely. And I encourage folks, because I, I hear this a lot, and they talk about like, why do I have to go out on so many dates? And I'm like, well, one, you have more access than any of us ever have, ever, ever to so many people. And you are going to have to go through quite a few people to be able to see the person that may meet your values. And that's not an easy task to try to embark on. Well, and then that's compounded by the fact that it, there is such easy access to people now and dates that you tend to give people less of a chance than in the past. You have the illusion that there's 20 more people waiting to take you out on a date if you get home from one that you felt kind of lukewarm about. So you might not give that person a second chance. When in reality, those 20 other people, you also might feel lukewarm about. So I, I think three dates is probably a good amount of dates to at least give it a shot. And the grass is not always greener. The grass is greener where you fertilize it and take care of it. It's important not to think just because you have access to so many people out there that you have so many great matches out there and you don't need to foster the ones that you already have. Oh, I love it. So how do people find you in the world? How do they become a client? What do you got going on? Yeah. As far as social media, the place I hang out the most is Instagram. You can find me at Couples Learn. My website is also coupleslearn.com. Facebook, you can search me on Couples Learn. Basically, just put Couples Learn in Google <laughs> and you'll <laughs> find me. <laughs> and you know, you can book a free consultation via my website to see if working together would be a good fit. And I'm happy to help. Even if I can't help you directly, I usually will make an effort to find referrals. So feel free to reach out. For most of us therapists out there, if we can't help you, if we're not the person, then we will find you the person. Yeah. So that's awesome. And I will make sure all of the information is in the show notes. Folks, thank you for sticking around to the end. And Dr. Sarah Shabbat, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. This was so fun. And everybody have a wonderful week and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening, folks. Please rate and review on iTunes. It helps this podcast get found. If you leave a five-star review, let me know about it on any social media and I'll shout you out on the podcast. You can find my website at ericamiley.com. You can find me on Facebook, the gram, and Twitter. See y'all next time.